So I'm going to finish. Uh, I'm going to finish this series that I began. I guess I don't know six weeks, seven weeks ago about spiritual disciplines. Now I said this last week, and I really mean this. I, I, I think this quite possibly is the most important se uh, sermon series that I have ever done. And the reason that I say that because these things that I have been talking to you about are the most important things that you can do for your spiritual life. Uh, we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus, and we use that terminology a lot. You probably use that terminology a lot in your life as well. A personal relationship with Jesus involves spiritual disciplines, and these spiritual disciplines that I have been speaking with you about and talking with you about are related to that. Let me just give you a little bit of a, a, little bit of a review so that I can get a running start at this very last sermon on spiritual disciplines. Several weeks ago, six or seven weeks ago, I told you that kind of the foundational way that we approach the spiritual disciplines from Psalm 131 is that we have to have a calm and quiet soul. Uh, we can't enter into the presence of God and treat Him like He is some uh, drive-through dispenser of blessings as if we're in a hurry. We have to set aside time, we have to calm ourselves down, we have to set aside all the things in the world that are going on around us, all of our responsibilities, and we have to enter the presence of God alone by ourselves at a time that we designate in order to really commune with Him individually. Now, I went ahead in the second sermon, and I dealt with the, quite possibly the biggest excuse that we make for why we don't do a lot of stuff. I don't have, what is it? I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. You know, Pastor Scott, you're telling me I need to read the Bible every day. I don't have time to do that. I don't have, I don't have time to pray. I don't, I don't have time to go and to, to do a fast or to, to spend time in silence and solitude. I work a lot. I have kids. I have responsibility. I just don't have time. That's the sermon where I had you pull out your phones and go to your settings and go to your screen time and see how much time you spend on social media or all these different things. And the truth is we have plenty of time to spend with the God of the universe who saved us. Then I spent four sermons on the four primary internal spiritual disciplines. I've called these the primary spiritual disciplines, but these are the, these are the things that you do that is just you and God. If you don't do these things, if you don't practice these disciplines, you do not have a thriving personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm saying that you don't have a connection with Him. If you don't read the Word, if you don't pray, if you don't get alone with Him, this is, for the most part, the sum total of your personal, private interaction when it's just you and God. And this is the foundation of your relationship with Him. After you get saved, you need to be doing this a lot. And some of you, during the course of the sermon, you might, you might have come to the realization that you've drifted away from this, that you've gotten into this pattern of, of church attendance or even serving in a church. We find that a lot. We find that people uh, get into this pattern, they get into this rut where they get into a church, they start serving in a church, but they become disconnected, they don't really spend time with Jesus, they stop reading their Bibles, and that is a recipe for burnout. These are the things that you do when it's just you and God. Just you and God, these are the primary spiritual disciplines. But today, what I want to talk to you about, 
I want to talk to you about the outward disciplines, the outward spiritual disciplines. I spent four weeks on the inner spiritual disciplines that I just put on the screen for you. I'm not going to spend four weeks talking about these. What I'm going to do is I'm just I'm going to kind of give four of these to you. And there's different ways that these could be categorized. Some people might would have a different list. These are what I'm going to call, and I couldn't find a better word, the communal disciplines. That would be the, the spiritual disciplines that we perform together that involve other people or the missional disciplines, the ways that we discipline ourselves to live for God out in the world. Now, if, if, you, if you think about the way that you practice your spiritual life, you really practice them in, in three spheres, okay? You have your personal, private, devotional life that is foundational to everything, that is the four spiritual disciplines, the core disciplines that I have been explaining over the past four weeks. Then you have these, this, this, this communal discipline where we are with each other, we are with the people of God. These, are, these, would, be, these would be spiritual disciplines that say, no, these are directly related. Like, I'm going to worship with God's people. I'm going to be with God's people. I'm going to encourage God's, I'm going to connect myself with God's church. Those are just what I call communal spiritual disciplines. Then there's the missional spiritual disciplines like sharing your faith and serving the world and going on mission. The, the, and this is where we really want to be. Most people get stuck in just that middle section where they just come on Sundays, they might serve a little bit, and they don't do anything missional, and then they stop having a personal relationship with the Lord alone, and they just get in this pattern of religion. I hope that if that's you, that God would just break you out of that so that you, that you might have a full and complete walk with God, a disciplined walk with God that involves all of these areas. So uh, let, me, let me talk to you about these outward, these outward disciplines. Uh, they're printed on the back of your bulletin. Um, I also had them on the screen for you just a moment ago. Uh, they are simplicity, giving, serving, and worship. Now, if you go get a book on spiritual disciplines and read a book on spiritual disciplines, you will find different categories of, 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 of how people organize them. This is just a way that I have chosen to organize it for you in the simplest way possible. These are going to be communal and missional. We're going to see how each of these, in some way or another, touches upon what we're to do when we're together and how we're supposed to live our life out in the world. The first one is simplicity with earthly possessions. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, this is one of the most read Bible passages about uh, a, a warning about materialism. And it says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything out of the world. What this, what this means is, is that if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you read his words, you pray, you fast, you spend time alone with him, you have a personal relationship with him, and it is shaping you into godliness, that that should be enough for your contentment. Jesus should be enough to fulfill your heart. If you get to the point to where you have to have more than just a personal relationship with Jesus in order to be happy, well, then there's, there's, there's something wrong with that. It says that we just need to be content that we have a relationship with Jesus 
and we spend time with him often, and we have the things that we need. We have food and clothing because if you want to do more than that, and the scripture says that basically you fall into temptation, a snare, senseless and harmful desires, money is the root of all kinds of evil, and it causes us to wander away. Jesus lived a very, very simple life. When we look in the Gospels, we don't see Jesus with a lot of stuff. We don't see him carrying around, you know, cartloads full of his prized possessions. In my mind, in my imagination, I cannot visualize Jesus with a big house that's full of furniture and has stuff all over the walls and has closets that are packed with stuff and an outbuilding full of tools and a garage full of toys. In my imagination, I just can't even imagine that Jesus would have lived that kind of lifestyle even if he lived among us. Jesus talked and he modeled for us uh, simplicity in life. There is nothing that Jesus warned us more about than materialism and money. He made statements like, it's easier to go through the eye of a needle, uh, you can't serve both God and money, man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, and, uh, and on and on it goes. So um, obviously, uh, in our culture, we have this constant lust for the newest and best. And that's not the life of simplicity that we're called to. And what happens is, is we have all these things that shine that we think that we need to go out and get for ourselves, and then within six months, we're putting them in a garage sale. Now, let me, let me meddle a little bit. Can I, can, I, can I meddle a little bit at the risk of offending some of you? I would not say this in December, but you want me to tell you one of the ways that I feel like as Christians that we fall into this trap is the commercialization of Christmas. Man, we buy so much stuff that nobody really needs, and we collect it all, and then what happens to it? Then we just end up giving most of it away, or it goes into a closet and ends up in a garage sale, or in Goodwill, or in the trash. But we think we need so much. This is, I believe this is one of the ways that we've kind of played into not, not having a life of simplicity. I think one of the worst ways that Christians have, have violated this, this, uh, this principle of simplicity is the health and wealth gospel. You've heard this. Preachers saying God wants you to be healthy and wealthy while they themselves are extremely wealthy. And, 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 and that to me is just, not, is just not the gospel. Truth is there's all sorts of ways that we don't live lives of simplicity but we don't need to buy a lot of the things that we buy. We don't need to own a lot of the things that we own. And it really has more to do with our hearts being content with godliness and not feeling like we always need the newest and best. And this is a spiritual discipline. We do not need a super abundance. Pray about that. Take this into your quiet time, read Scripture, look at Scripture, pray about it before the Lord, see what God tells you about, about this. Here's some verses for you, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, uh, says, take care and be on your guard. Jesus is talking to his disciples, be on your guard against all covetousness, for life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Um, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, is a great promise. Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And you know, you know what one of the best ways not to be controlled by money and materialism? One of the best ways is 
one of the best ways is to give it away. This is my, this is my second one that I want to talk to you about today. Giving to others and to God's work. Giving to others and to God's work. This is a discipline that directly speaks to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. In the New Testament, the Bible talks about generosity. It talks about giving over ourselves and serving other people, but also uh, giving away things that we own and helping other people. There's just nothing more central to the gospel than sacrifice. Jesus left a throne in heaven, and he came down and lived a very simple life, the son of a carpenter, and died on the cross for our sins. He is generous to us. Hasn't God given you a lot? Hasn't he given you so much? Hasn't he, hasn't he done so much for you? Think about all that you have and all that God has done for us. And we've got to be the same types of people. So the Bible says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. How do you decide in your heart what to give? How do you decide? Well, you practice the core spiritual disciplines. You get alone with the Lord. You read the scriptures and you pray. And you ask the Lord, God, how are you moving me to be obedient to your word so that I can be a giving person and I can give to God and give to others? And this should lead to joy. God doesn't want you giving away stuff under compulsion, reluctantly. Okay, well, I guess I'll give my tithes to the church today because I have to. And I mean, the preacher's been talking about it, so I guess I'll do it. I mean, I'm supposed to anyway here. Well, I don't really want to help that person. I mean, there's some things that I would like to do for myself, and I can't do it for myself to help that person, but I guess I will. God does not want you to give in that way. God wants you to give cheerfully. He wants you to give cheerfully. He wants you to be, he wants you to be happy about it. And I would almost say that it's better not to give if you can't do it from the heart and do it cheerfully because of what God has done for you. You should, be, you should be embracing the gospel in your heart and in your mind whenever you give, whether it be to your church or whether it be to someone else. Give to others, not panhandlers. Don't give to the people standing on the street corners holding signs. Do not give to them. I will give you a list of certified mission partners, people that we're partnered with, that you can give money to that will actually help clothe and feed and pay rent and all of these things. In fact, we have, some of you may not know this, we have a care center just on the other side of our parking lot. It's our care center, it's Stephen Street Care Center. We're open three days a week and we give people food and clothing. If someone needs something to eat and they're holding a sign on the side of the road, send them over here, we'll feed them, all of those types of things. But give to others as the Lord leads you. There's needs everywhere. Give to other people and give to God's work. You should have a cheerfulness and a joy inside of you. If you've been practicing the primary spiritual disciplines and you've been in the presence of God, reading his word, praying to him, and, and you are thankful for what Jesus has done for you, there should be a cheerfulness in your heart as you say, you know what? I can live a more simplified life. I can do with less and I can give more.
Will you accept all the goodness and blessing from the Lord, but not give back in a cheerful manner? Here's what Jesus said. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. This is not in the Gospels, but he said it all the same. It says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. But our giving has to go beyond just our money. Our giving also has to be our very selves in service to God. This is the third spiritual discipline that I want to talk to you about today, one that encompasses a lot of different areas. Service to God and to others. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Look, look what Jesus said. He said, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. It, it's, it's, it's not just that we give the substances, the things that we own, or the money that we earn. I mean, that stuff comes in and goes out. At least it does for us every month. We come in, we pay a bunch of bills, we feed a bunch of kids, and it's gone. And then it comes in the next month, and we pay a bunch of bills and feed a bunch of kids, and it's gone again. It comes in and it goes out. But your life, you only have one life to give. There's just one of you. And Jesus said, basically, he gave his life for us, and we are to also give our lives over in service uh, to other people. You see, giving our earthly treasure, our money, our materials, those types of things, it's just a prequel to being able to surrender all of ourselves to God. I hope that's the commitment that you made whenever you got saved. Whenever you got down on your knees and you surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ and you said, God, I will follow you and I give you everything, my question to you is, did you mean it? Did you mean the money and the stuff that you would earn in the future? Did you also mean the time and your schedule that you'll have in the future? Did you literally, when you made that commitment to Christ on that day, did you, did you mean that for the rest of your life that you would literally give yourself over in service to the Lord? I hope so, because that's the discipline that we are called to do. Jesus gave his life over in sacrifice, and we're to do the same. Here's some ways that we, here's some ways that we do this. Obviously, I mean, listen, we can spend a lot of time talking about a lot of these things. Like I said at the beginning, all I'm doing is giving you some things to pray about. I'm giving you some things that you can take to your private prayer closet, read the Word, fast, pray, get alone with God, and let Him show you how will you pour yourself out in service to others and to the Lord. Jesus said to wash each other's feet. Now, this does not mean that we're going to clean in between each other's toes. That's not what this is talking about. This is an attitude and a disposition that we're to have towards our fellow church people, fellow Christians, and, and, and of course everyone, but especially Jesus said, I've set an example for you to follow, talking about his disciples. We're to serve one another. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew chapter 22, it's easy to love ourselves. It's easy to pour out my time and my money and my energy for me and the things that I want and the things that I want to do. But Jesus has called us to do that for others and to do that for the kingdom. Use your spiritual gifts to serve in your church. Now listen, you do not have to have the spiritual gift of baby holding in order to work in the nursery. Okay? You don't have to have a spiritual gift to do that. Listen, I, I would even say you don't have to have the spiritual gift of teaching to lead a life group. 
you don't have to have the spiritual gift of singing in order to sing in the choir, although I'm sure there's a standard there somewhere, right? You got to be at least this tall or whatever, like at the like at the fair, getting on rides or something. I don't know. I don't do all that artsy stuff. Just kidding. I'm teasing. Um, but you don't have to say, you don't have to say, oh, I have the spiritual gift of this. I have to ha- I have the spiritual gift of that, and I'll do. No, you just serve. You just see a need, and you say, yes, I'll I'll sing in the choir. I hope that you're already singing in the pews. Say, yeah, I'll sing in the choir. I'm not necessarily gifted, but I'll do it. Yeah, I'll hold those babies. I'll lead that life group. I'll I'll go on that mission trip, which is 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 the next ones that we see. Verbally share the gospel. There's some people that need to hear your voice. Share the gospel with them. This is, this is, sharing the gospel is not a spiritual gift. It is a spiritual discipline. Everyone is called to verbally share the gospel. You don't have to have the gift of evangelism. You just have to embrace the commands of Scripture to go and to share the gospel. And go on mission. Listen, get on an airplane, go eat food that will make you sick, Go sweat it out in some hard place. Go sacrifice yourself and give yourself over for people that you will never, ever meet again in this life, people who don't know Jesus, that don't have any access to the gospel. There is nothing more that fully embraces what Jesus did for us than that. He left a comfortable throne in heaven and he came down here and lived with us. And that's, that's, that's the best mission trip anybody could ever take. We're, we're supposed to do the same. Get on an airplane and go to a hard, uncomfortable, difficult place and share the gospel with people. See, these are ways that we pour ourselves out. And we have to discipline ourselves to do it. We can't sit around and wait for someone to tap us on the shoulder and may God make our congregation, and may we attract people to our congregation who are not people that are just looking to come and consume and be fed and get their needs met, but may God assemble us as a people that are ready and prepared to pour ourselves out for the gospel. Let us be willing to give ourselves over in service to God's people and God's church and God's mission and to his kingdom. And the last one, obviously, is an important one to me. I saved this for last because if I would have done it first, I would have spent the whole 30 minutes on it. But this is obviously an important one. Worship and fellowship with God's people. I hear people sometimes say, it's just me and God. I just read my Bible on my own. I just pray on my own. I have a relationship with the Lord on my own. And what I think to myself is, no, you don't. You don't. You're not reading the Bible, and you're not praying, and you're not thriving as a Christian by yourself. That's like being a branch that is broken off of a tree and just thrown over to the side, thinking somehow it's going to survive and not get brittle and dry up. Everything about the Word of God drives us towards God's people. With all of their flaws, with all of their hypocrisy, with all of the things that are common to human beings, God has called us to assemble. In fact, Jesus prophesied that it would happen. 
He, he told Peter, whenever Peter confessed him, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter confessed, he said, he basically said to Peter, let me paraphrase, he said, I'm going to bring people together around that statement. I'm going I'm to assemble people for that. You know, and, and let me just let me get on my pet peeve for just a moment. I've been on this kick where I've, been, I've actually been trying not to use the word church as much as possible, as much as I can. Because sometimes I feel like that we say church and we think about the building. Well, I'm going to church. What you mean is you're going to a, you're going to a building where God's church gathers. But we say, I'm going to church. Oh, sometimes when we think about church, we think about programs. We think about buildings. We think about organized religion or administration. Do you know that word that Jesus used, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. It is also translated congregation. Jesus was not talking about buildings. He was not talking about programs. He wasn't talking about, he was talking about congregations. He says, I'm going to gather some people together around a confession of the gospel. I'm going to gather them together in groups. There's going to be one great big group that's all going to be together in heaven one day that right now is scattered all over the earth, but one big universal group. But he also meant that he's going to gather us into smaller congregations, smaller churches, if you will, congregations of people that we're going to gather together and assemble together. That is the calling that we have, and we have to discipline ourselves to do it. All throughout the book of Acts, we see congregations brought together. We're gathered people. We can never be scattered on mission until we gather together. This is the most important communal spiritual discipline that you practice. Gathering and connecting with God's people. Jesus saved you so that he could gather you with his people and then take all of us to heaven as a group together when we will be with each other and with the Lord forever. Yes, you need a church. You need a congregation. And this is one reason why we emphasize the importance of, uh, of connect. We use that word a lot, connect. And you've heard me say before, don't, don't run in the church and sit and then run out as quick as you can. Don't run in, run in here, you know, five minutes late and blab a few songs and, and listen to a sermon, take a few notes, and then, and then as soon as you can, just bolt out here. Don't do that. Come 15 minutes early and talk to people. Stay 15 minutes late and connect with people. There are a lot of people here that don't know you, and they need you. Now, uh, men, don't look at your wife whenever I say that about getting here early. Don't do that. That's... It's not going to be good. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but you, need to, you need to connect with God's people. And you say, well, I don't want to look silly. All right, let me tell you how, uh, y'all know Philip Baker goes to the first service. I said this in the first service. He's right up here. Here's, here's how uh, we train our, our first impressions people, and you need to do this as well. I did this today, as a matter of fact, with someone. Uh, you need to do this. You just need, if you see somebody that you don't know and they're sitting by themselves and they don't look like they're talking to anybody, just go up to them and say, you know, at the risk of embarrassing myself, I, I, I just want to say, I, I don't know if I have met you before. And they may say, well, I've been a member here for 25 years. Well, that's why you said, 
I, I, I don't want to embarrass myself, but I don't, don't feel like I know you. Do you know how many, listen, do you know how many people you would make their day if you did that and engage them in conversation because they don't know people here? And then if you've both been here for 25 years, you can just laugh and have a good time with it. Connect with God's people. Pray about that. Pray about that. You might have come to church today, and this is the first, you might have assembled with this congregation today, and this might be the first time that you have ever come into a church building in a long time. Maybe it's been a long, 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 long time. And if, if that's true, you know your spiritual life is probably not where it needs to be. Pray, pray about this. Pray about, and this is the only thing I'm doing today. I want you to pray about these four communal disciplines, these four missional disciplines. Simplicity with earthly position, positions, possessions. Sorry, I can't talk. End of the second service, man, I start losing my brain. Uh, simplicity, that's become pretty easy for a guy from Mississippi. Simplicity with earthly possessions. Serving God and other people. Giving to others and to God's work. And gathering in fellowship with, with other believers and other congregations. Pray about these things. You take these things and you, you take them into your alone time with God. You talk to him about them and see what the Lord is, what the Lord is telling you and how, he's, how he wants you to do that. You know, I think this, this last one, worship and fellowship with God's people, is a perfect transition into partaking of the Lord's Supper together. So I'm going to ask our men to go ahead.